When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Just a quick World Cup update. The match is ongoing through lunch times in the group stages. The game on at the moment. Uh, Mar, it was mentioned on Sport there just a moment ago. No change in the scoreline. It's Uruguay nil, South Korea nil. And did you know that Uruguay have won the World Cup twice? Yes, they won the first ever World Cup in 1930 and 1950. They repeated uh, the victory. It was in Brazil that year. So there you are. They have form, but the scoreless with Korea at the moment. You're very welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. We have lots to chat about over the next couple of hours. So let's get straight to business this afternoon. Well, this is an amazing story, I have to say. A man was found dead on the 18th of April 1991 at Bracetown near Dunboyne in County Meath. And his remains have laid unidentified in St Mary's Cemetery in Navan ever since. That's up until now. And I have to congratulate him on the story. It's simply brilliant. He's joining me now. He's well-known face, well-known voice on RTE's prime time. He's the security correspondent, Barry Cummins. Afternoon, Barry. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. This story, absolutely it's something else, it really is. Let's go back to uh, the 18th of April 1991 when this body was found. What was known of this man at the time? Was there anything known? Well, it was known that this man had been in County Mead and that part of County Mead for about a week and he had interacted with people. It, it was known that he was living rough, sleeping rough. Well, it maybe wasn't known at the time but it was known quite soon afterwards. But he was in a pub in Ratote one evening, having a chat with some people there, uh, just up at the bar and, and shooting the breeze, as it were. And one man would later tell Gardy that he thought that the man might have been from Scotland or perhaps Liverpool, but there was definitely some, for some reason, thought that he there was some link to Britain. And indeed, there was uh, that, that link to Britain. Um, but it was known just in terms of his characteristics that he was five foot five, that he brown hair, receding hair, but he'd no... Uh, identification on him mm. uh, when his body was found. Now, one thing that that, that was uh, clear was that, thankfully, for many reasons, but that 
when this man passed away, his body was found relatively quickly, within a few hours or a few days. So Mangardi carried out their investigations, and I have to say there was no foul play involved in his death. It was uh, just a, a tragedy that he passed away. But uh, they took photographs of him, of his face, uh, of his facial features, uh, and those photographs would form part of the, the inquest file because an inquest was held later that year uh, in County Mead uh, where it was determined that this man could not be identified mm. and uh, he had been buried, as you say, in St Mary's Cemetery in Navan, uh, and a small stone marked the spot where the body was buried uh, and they, they knew he was between, say, 45 and 55 years old. They didn't know who he was and uh, despite attempts at that time to identify him, uh, nothing could be done uh, at that time. So uh, for 31 years, he was to lie there unidentified in St. Mary's. It's it's amazing. It really is that he, he's been there and no one knew who this man was. And, and the, you mentioned something crucial there, Barry, those photographs, because there was no DNA at the time. And actually, just to bring it up to date, the, the remains were exhumed, but they couldn't extract DNA from the remains. Yeah, and I mean, exhumations are difficult processes at any time. But uh, in fairness to the people who, who carried out this this uh, task of the exhumation, they did it last year. And of course, consider that this is in, in the middle of COVID. Uh, and, uh, but but it, was, it was felt that it was important to carry out an exhumation to try every possible way to identify this man. Uh, so the body was exhumed and attempts were taken to take a DNA sample. It would only be a few weeks later before word would come back to the investigating guardie that unfortunately a DNA profile couldn't be extracted uh, from the man's body. Now this is uh, unusual that this would happen because most times, and I don't have a specific figure, but normally uh, in the vast majority of cases a DNA profile will be got from a body mm. uh, but sometimes I'm told that it may be to do with the the uh, degradation of of bones uh, and uh, the different factors that mean that a, a DNA profile cannot be got uh, but you might say you, you know people might have thrown their hands up in the air and said well we can't do anything more but yes. the guardian in this case uh they kept at it and one of the things that they did was go back to those photographs from 1991 and uh, it was Detective Sergeant Lee Gavin outlined at the inquest this week that they, they, this team involved in the cold case review got an artist to draw a likeness of how the man would have looked in life. Mm. So they brought him alive in a sense in the photograph with they knew he had brown eyes, brown hair, receding hairline as I said and uh, they had those very good photographs that had been in a file for 30 years and uh, an artist drew his uh, his likeness and she nailed it. She got an absolutely almost spot-on likeness uh, and that was then broadcast on the Crime Call programme yes. last November, this month last year, yes. Yes. as part of the appeal. And, and, and uh, uh, amazingly... Uh, the image, it, it, it only appeared uh, on Crime Call and there was a link made in Donegal. Tell us about this. Yeah, and it's, I think it's catching somebody at the right time. So the, the great investigation work that was done, that's the good, the kind of graft of the Gardaí to, to go back and look at the case. But sometimes you need a bit of luck as well. And the bit of luck was that when the image was shown on Crime Call, 
a particular person was watching the telly that night, watching Crime Call, and that was Michael Leonard from Mount Charles in County Donegal. He recognised the image immediately. He said, that's Paul McGinty from County Donegal. He knew Paul McGinty because Michael's brother, John, had lived in Coventry in England uh, for many years, and Paul McGinty had also left Donegal uh, as a young man and had gone to England. He'd spent most of his life in England. He'd worked on building sites in London and then in Coventry. He was well-known in the Irish community over there. And uh, Michael Leonard knew that the image he was watching relating to an unidentified man was Paul McGinty. And not just Michael saying that, but Michael went around to Paul's sister Eileen, who's still alive, she's in her 80s, and living up in in Mount Charles, still in County Donegal. He showed her the image as it had been shown on RTE, and she knew immediately that was Paul. And it is uh, very clear from the imagery. Uh, There are very few photographs of Paul uh, in life, but uh, there are some that the family have, and they they were able to show Gardy the likenesses as well. And, of course, Gardy had the the original photographs from the time that Paul's body was discovered as well. Mm. So all of this is just visual identification. And I say just uh, in the sense that it's absolutely cast iron confirmation, but that's all that was needed was, in a sense, an image to be shown of the unidentified man. It took 30-something years for the case to be solved, but it was solved relatively quickly when everything was in the right place. But it, it, it does involve that bit of luck. What if Michael Leonard hadn't been watching the telly that night or something else? Um, we mightn't be talking about this no. great success. But sometimes you just need mm. things to fall right. Yes. And they certainly fell right in this case. They did indeed. It's a, it's a wonderful ending. It's a very sad ending, may I say, too, because the man, you know, he, he went away all those years ago, worked in England, had little contact with his family. I know he was home for his brother's funeral in 87, yeah. but after that, really, uh, they, they, they didn't see him at all. And how he ended up, you know, homeless, nobody knew who he was, and he's found then dead on the side yeah. of the road. But uh, for, and it, one thing to say, Jerry, is that we'll never know what brought him to County Meath yes. because he's no links yes. yeah. there's no family link yeah. to that area so he had left Coventry he just one day in on the 8th of April 1991 so 10 days before his body was found in County Meath he had just left his accommodation in Coventry he paid his rent mm. uh, which is an interesting factor but he paid up but he, he just left and he left all his belongings and everything all his identification and just ended up in County Meath and why, we will never know. But, but at least we do know uh, that he went there. And it just opens up that um, it's a very sad story, but also I take heart from the fact that it's mm. solved because there are other cases like that yes. of, of unidentified people right throughout the country. And it's quite possible. I think it gives us all more of a pep in our step in, in talking about these cases, investigating the cases, reporting on them, and... Sometimes the success of one will lead to a breakthrough in another. Yes. And uh, I think there's a lot of positivity around all this at the minute. But one thing, I just this is about keeping your mind open all the time. Remember that I said about a man who had a chat with this unidentified man, who we now know as Paul McGinty. He had a chat with him with a pub, in a pub in Rathout, and he thought he might be Scottish or maybe Liverpool or whatever. But that, just remember, he was... He was on the right track. Yes. So this was a Donegal man who had spent mm. most of his life in England. So there was a definite link to Britain. And so there, there was, he wasn't, this man wasn't accurate in terms of 
precise geographical location, mm. but he had it right that there was an English link uh, to the case. And one other sad aspect of it is that um, we know that in, when Paul was, when he went missing, some of his friends tried to raise the alarm with the police in Coventry. Uh, but back then, the police there weren't too interested. Mm. And uh, there was no real concern about Paul going missing that time. And um, it's it's just another factor that there, there are many an Irish man and woman who went to England, went to Britain to to make their way and have got lost along the way. Yes. And um, something that's on my mind a lot, that there are, for example, there's uh, over 600 unidentified bodies in Britain alone. And um, we have uh, 27, 26 now official unidentified uh, bodies. And officially, uh, the figures tell us here in Ireland, I'm sure there's lots, lots more yes. from the research. But that, that, that's a significant number both here and even bigger across in Britain. And I've no doubt but that in Britain, uh, one or more of that figure of 600 uh, is another Irish person who, who has fallen through the cracks and is missing. But there's a family perhaps here or elsewhere uh, who, who maybe lost touch with their loved one a long time ago. And um, these are the kind of cases that if we talk more about them, yeah. I'm sure some of some more will be solved. They will indeed. Um, just a couple of things. There was no foul play involved. He died of natural causes. He did, yeah. And it was and so he was only 51 years old. Um, but uh, he, when he left uh, Coventry, it was described that he was in a dishevelled state. Mm. Uh, so, and in in, in a sense, uh, and he he interacted in the pub. He actually went to a GAA match in Dunboyne in that week that he was in Ireland as well. Yes, um, but. Um, the fact that he just simply walked out of his life in Coventry and then was sleeping rough. In hindsight, we can look back and say he was a man perhaps in need of help, in need of assistance uh, in, 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 in some way. Um, but we'll never know the full story as to, yes. as to what was going on with him. Mm. Um, one, one uncanny aspect of this, Jerry, if, if I mention it, is that one of the original Gardaí involved in this investigation was Alan Dowley. Yes. Uh, and uh, Alan was the sergeant involved in the case at the time and, and who was involved in the taking of those photographs which would be crucial all those years all those decades later Alan himself um, people may, 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 may know that Alan has spoken about this that his own father was missing for over uh, three decades as well and he, all the while his body Brendan Alan's father Brendan his body was buried in Wales unidentified and has been identified in recent years so one of the guardy involved in the case gets this and understands this mm. and, and knows about, on a personal level, knows about what it means to have a case solved as well. So there's, there's many aspects to this. Yes. And um, it's, it, I saw at the inquest this week in Trim, Eileen McGinty, uh, who now knows what happened to her younger brother, Paul, and that he's in St. Mary's in Navan. Uh, I saw her uh, say hello to Alan Dowley and, and, and talk with him. Uh, at the at the inquest as well, and it, it, these are, I suppose, they're, they're It's a, all I did was see it from a distance, and I'll never forget it, knowing what was going on there. Mm. Uh, and it's it's um, it's just something that will stay with me. And one other thing that, that 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 came out at the inquest is that Lee Gavin, the sergeant uh, who who gave the evidence this week, who who like many people maybe w- would have been. It would have been a child, perhaps, back in 1991 when Paul McGinty 
uh, when he died and was buried unidentified, but he's now been involved in solving the case. But he told the coroner, uh, Lee Gavin told the coroner, that his interest in this case was that there are three men missing from County Mead from the 1970s into the 1980s. And he was actually looking at those cases and wondering, might the unidentified man be one of the local missing people? And it turns out that it wasn't. Uh, But we may hear more about those missing men over time because the Gardaí are well aware of these cases. I don't know any more details. They haven't been, there's no public detail on them just yet. But perhaps in time, we'll be talking more about more people who are missing from, from County Mead uh, and cases that haven't got the, the attention that they've got or that, that they should get. Um, but that solving this case may lead to talk not only about unidentified bodies, but also a lot of missing persons cases that we haven't reported on before. Indeed. Uh, I, I did uh, interview Alan Dowley myself. His story alone is a fascinating story uh, about yeah. his father's situation. And I just think of Eileen today, as you mentioned there, them coming together. But for Eileen, the only surviving sibling of that family, at yeah. last there is closure. I have to leave it there today, Barry. I really appreciate it. And well done to you and the team. Keep up the great work there. It's fa- fantastic. Thanks, Jerry. We'll keep at it. You too. Thanks a million. Take care now. That's Barry Cummins there from RTE's Primetime and he is their security correspondent. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah. You enter and we wish you the very best with that one there. Now my next guest is a remarkable young woman. You see, her mum, Sue Deegan, passed away at the young age of 53 back in March 2021 and she is the oldest of four girls. There's Lauren, who I'm going to speak to now, Sarah, Emma and Grace. Lauren Deegan, you are so welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Not at all. And we're going to get to the reason why you're on in a few moments. But before all that, I'm looking here at a beautiful picture of your mammy. She was gorgeous, wasn't she? Oh, she was some woman, honestly. Star. And take us back uh, in her life. When was she first diagnosed with the cancer? Um, she was diagnosed with myelofibrosis in um, June of 2013. Um, she, just, she wasn't feeling great, went around to the GP and they transferred her on to St. James's Hospital in Dublin. And um, yeah, she got diagnosed with myelofibrosis. And from there, she underwent a series of treatments. Yeah, yeah. So she was supposed to have um, so myelofibrosis. It's a bone marrow cancer that affects your blood cells. So she went in to get um, a transplant in 2014. Um, and unfortunately, just due to a few complications, she was in a coma then for a number of weeks. Um, and then she had her first transplant in 2015, which went great for a few years. And then unfortunately, it failed. Um, and then when she went in for a second transplant in 2019, um, it just didn't take. Um, and we found it in 2020. Um, but of course, then, like with the pandemic and all the rest, um, it wasn't kind of viable for has a third to have a third transplant. So um, they tried. The doctors in St James's Hospital were just absolutely incredible, and they tried their very best. But um, unfortunately, 2020 just kind of started to go downhill, and then she passed away in early 2021. And it is coming to Christmas again, and I'm, I know you've been talking about the last Christmas you, you spent together. She really did pushed the boat out for all of you, didn't she, that Christmas time? I mean, if you'd said, I want a, a round-world trip to every country in the world, she would have found a way to get it to get <laughs> it sorted. Um, there was nothing now, you know, we weren't 
begging for designer handbags and trips to New York City and all the rest. But anything you wanted, especially, you know, when we were younger, she was sick and the two youngest ones were, you know, we had Santi and we had all the rest. But there wasn't a, I oh, know, you're not having that and you can't have that. It was, I'll try my very best to get that for you. And there was never a Christmas that anyone was disappointed. Mm. Even down to a pair of runners, you were trying to save a few oh bob and she God. wouldn't hear any of it, would she? <laughs> that, yeah, that was my, I, well, we didn't realise at the time, but that was my last birthday. And I said, oh, I'd love these runners, but no, they're, they're a bit expensive. And she was like, oh, no, I'll get them. And I was like, oh, no, I, I just said it, you know, just uh, these are nice. And with my birthday money, I'll buy them. And she got so upset. She was, please, can I buy them for you? Please, please. And I was like, my God, she's getting awful upset over a pair of Nike runners. But um, yeah, no, she bought them. And, you know, there was never, every year, anything you wanted. Yeah, I'll get that for you. So uh, she was she was just great. There was never, he never wanted to answer. Mm. Do you reckon she knew it would be the last Christmas? Did she ever speak to you about this? No, no. I mean, she spoke to me more than the, the young, like the younger three, I suppose, you know, because I'd be more involved with them, I suppose, with her will and those kind of things. Like she had that drawn up. And because I was the oldest, you know, your things are left on your shoulders a little bit more. But um, no, it was never like, you know, this is the last Christmas. We have to push the boat out. It was just, it's Christmas time. And, you know, we were going down to Nanny and Grandad and your aunties and uncles be coming over and, you know, this, that and the other. But it was never said, like, this is the last Christmas we're going to have together. So let's do X, mm. Y and Z. When she actually passed away, it was bang in the middle of COVID and you were only allowed 10 people at our funeral. Yeah, and um, there was 10 of us in the church. So that, you know, it just we just fit in my, myself, my sisters, my nanny and granddad, um, her two brothers and their wives. And that was it. That No one else. Um, but we lived just around the corner from the church and like people in our in our club, um, Maltertown Club, were just so incredible. We were so surprised. They had arranged a guard of honour right from the pillars of our front house, in front of our house, all the way down the road, all the way down the estate, down the road to the church and right up to the steps of the church. There was hundreds of people just, they just did a guard of honour and it was it was so, um, oh, it was so emotional just seeing people that you played football with, played, people they'd gone to primary school with, people who had, you know, called in, or had text saying, do you need shopping done? Do you need, who is collecting your mum's prescription? I'll do that. Don't need the house. Don't, don't go outside. All the rest. And people were just, you know, it was just incredible um, what the, the things that people did around that time. Well done to Walterstown and everybody there because there's no doubt about it when people need support. We're a fantastic country and people for that and, and you saw it yourselves firsthand. Now here's the thing, you are the oldest, Sarah's next, then Emma and Grace and you have stepped into your mam's shoes. Uh, yeah, yeah I have, well I'm trying anyway. Um, uh, the three younger girls now, there's no mind on them of course, they're they're incredible the mm. three of them, but I suppose when it comes to um, school fees and I need a new uniform I what are we going to have for dinner um, who's doing the shopping? How am I getting to school? Those kind of things. I'm like, right, I suppose that's me now. I'll have to sort that out. Um, now, the three of them are so independent. They're, they're, they're a credit to mom. Um, but I suppose the nitty gritty bit, you know, you're not going to send the 17 year olds down to do the shopping. Mm. And you're not going to get the, you know, I'm not going to ask Emma, who's only just 19, will you pay the Sky Bill? You know, this kind of way. So it's, it's things like that that you don't even, like, I only realised after mom passed that 
oh, you have to pay to get the bins taken away. Like, we were we were so privileged in that kind of way. Mom never said, right, you all have to, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. It was, um, you know, it, it, it's a shock, I suppose, trying to keep the house running and keep everyone afloat. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you... Where does your money come from to survive? You know, you're all young girls making your uh, way in life. You know, are you all right? Are you looked after by family? You know, do you mind me asking that? No, my grandparents, they're, they're both, um, you know, elderly, but they are absolutely incredible. I don't know where they get the strength from, mm. uh, but they're, the two of them are just, they're absolutely incredible. I don't know, like, it's just, I don't know what we do without them because they never see, just like mom, they'd never see you short of yeah. oh especially you know coming up to winter like they'd say well there's we have the the gas and electricity top up cards and they'll say well there's your you know 40 euro go get gas do you have is there dinners we'll buy dinners and you put those in the fridge um but i suppose it's coming it's coming up to christmas you're trying to keep keep the house afloat keep you know petrol in the car keep the clothes clean by putting on the washing machine these kind of things but also you know you don't want to say I'm only buying Christmas presents for Sarah, Emma and Grace and no one else. You you want to be like, I love, you know, giving a gift and saying, I've seen this and this just reminded me of you so much. I had to buy it for you. And then, of course, you know, you want to, if, if Emma's going out on a night out, you know, give her 20 euros and say, there you go. That'll, that'll sort you out. And then, you know, myself, not to be selfish, but like, I want to have a few nights out over Christmas. Yes. So it's trying to, I suppose, budget all that. Yeah. And yeah. then have your discretionary spending. I understand. And you're managing great, I have to say. I admire, I really do admire you. And uh, w- w- when, I, when I think about what you've had to take on at such a young age as well, because you're taking on the mammy's worries. Emma enjoys <laughs> our nights out, doesn't she? <laughs> That's the problem. Like over Halloween, we have to ration out the nights because we, we have a little dog. Well, we call him a puppy. He's about eight. But, um, you know, he's, he's very, very nervous. So he can't leave him in the house on his own. Mm. overnight so we were rationing out the nights over Christmas or over Halloween saying one of us going to have to be home Saturday night one of us going to have to be home Sunday night one of us going to have to be home this night um, and the girls are very good for that now there's no like you know the dog we've destroyed the dog with love and he's yes. quite rotten but you know it's those kind of things where you're everyone wants everyone wants to have their youth and their going out especially after COVID like the, the two youngest girls didn't get their you know, when they're when you're kind of leaving school and you get to start turning eighteen and going out and this kind of thing, they didn't get that. Mm. So you kind of want to make life as normal for them as possible. Yes. Um, but but, but yeah. and, and and for you too, because I know you've put your life on hold because your friends have been travelling to different places around the world, and and yet you've said, well, I have three sisters to look after. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I went over and visited one of the girls yeah. for a long weekend, but, you know, there's no, um, like, I'd love to, not that I'd love to emigrate, like, I, I love Ireland and, you know, I'm flagged for the patriotism and anything, I'm like, Ireland, Ireland, Ireland. But, you know, as a 24-year-old who's going to graduate in June, please God, it's it's very hard to move to Dublin or it's very hard to get a job that's viable to be able to move out of the family home and this kind of thing. Yeah. So a lot of my friends have emigrated, unfortunately. And I'd love to say, oh, you know what? I'll graduate now and I'll go to, like, I'm, I'm doing my teaching degree. I'd love to, you know, go to Dubai for a year and experience that or emigrate to Vancouver or London or New York where everyone else is going. But, like, you know, it's just, it, it's not, I wouldn't be able for it. I'd miss home too much and I'd miss everyone too much. 
and it wouldn't be fair, you know, God forbid anything would happen yeah. to the younger three. Like, I'd be stressing about how would I get home in time, how will I do this, how will I do that. Um, so it just isn't viable at the moment while everyone's kind of still younger. Your mother's so proud of you. Oh, stop. Oh, thanks. She is, because I'm sure, I think I'm going to cry here, to be honest with you. Um, oh, don't. You know, when I think of her and what she didn't say to you, but you've just stepped up to the mark and you have sacrificed and you have become mammy to the other three, whether you're, you're only 24 years of age. But you know something? What you're doing is remarkable. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they're great. There's no mind on them. Mm. But um, it's just, I suppose they wouldn't, they don't want me saying that I'm mammy and I don't want to I know that. that. Never be heard. Yes, yes, but. I know you won't. But, 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 but. Oh, she's smiling at you now. She really is. And and listen, don't tell me there's not minding on a 16, a 19 or a 22 year old. Yeah, there's more minding on them than there is on the, on, on the Little East, to be honest with you. And I know, you, I know you're batting that away. But look, you mentioned, you mentioned the grandparents who are fantastic. I do want to mention somebody, just one, and I don't mean to single out because there's a lot of people support you, but Patricia Farley, I know she's listening to us today and uh, she's uh, been a great friend and it was a great friend of your mother's. Oh, Patricia and her husband, Joey, would give you the clothes off their own back. I can't, it's actually, it really is hard to put into words everything that Trish and Joey have done for me and my sisters and my mom over the past, you know, decade. Everything, like, um, I used to babysit for Trish and Joey and I used to actually get excited going over to mind the kids being like, oh, we're going to have such crap. The kids are incredible. Joey and Trish, you know, coming up to Christmas, coming up to birthdays, coming up to the summer, it would be, oh, Christmas, we're going to all go to the cinema and we're going to do this. Um, Trish's daughter, Abby, and my sister, Grace, were in the panto together in the Olympia with Spotlight. And, you know, they had such crap. They got on like a house on fire. And it was never, oh, you know, Patricia would never say, oh, I'm the one doing all the lifts. It was like, mm. Sue, what, what are you doing? You're not doing the lifts. Would you, no, I, I'm doing that. Mm. No, 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 I, no, no, I'm doing that. I'll do this. Do you, need some, do you need me to drop off milk and bread on the way home? Oh, no, I'll do it anyway. Don't be worrying. Are you going out, Lauren? I'll, here, take that now and go and enjoy your night out. Yes. You know, if you said to Trish, I'm cold, and she had a tank top on, here you go. Ah. It was... It, it's really hard to put into words all the Trish and Joey have done mm. over the past 10 years. There was never... You know, there was never a time where it was like, I've asked a bit much now. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all burnt out. It was anything you ever needed. What wonderful, wonderful people. Doesn't... Absolutely. Folks, if you listen to this, doesn't it just renew your faith? At times you just think, what is this life or world about? And you just, you know, you look at the news, listen to it, and it would get to you at times. But this story, you know, the good, the good is always greater than everything yeah. else. We must keep that to the forefront of our minds. Now, with your mammy in mind, there's something special happening in Walterstown, the great Walterstown GAA Club, <laughs> on Saturday the 10th of December. And you want to just mention Brianna, your friend, who put this afloat. Yeah, Brina Kyo, yeah. Brina, sorry. You're okay. We were um, we were trying to think, like, oh, we'd love to do something because last Christmas was our first Christmas without mam. But I suppose, like, I had COVID, we all had COVID, and we were all isolating all the rest. And we just thought, God, it would be great if we could raise funds for something for Christmas and really make a meaning, you know, coming up to Christmas. So we decided to organise a coffee morning in aid of the Bone Marrow for the Leukemia Trust. 
um, in memory of mum, she had bone marrow cancer. So the trust just does amazing work. They provide um, ongoing support for people who have leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, or if they need like a stem cell transplant. Um, and the funds that we raise and the funds that the trust raises um, help support specialist nursing and they accommodate patients um, who are getting stem cell transplants um, in apartments. So, you know, we were lucky enough that we lived close to Dublin. We could drive in and out. Mm. But, you know, there was, a, there was a young girl in the hospital at Mam at one stage and she was from Donegal. And we were like, God, how are you travelling up and down from Donegal? Yes. And the bone marrow for leukemia trust were actually putting them in an apartment. Um, I think it's in Kilmainham area. Yeah. Um, for, for her family so that they could come in and visit her um, when she was getting her stem cell transplant. So we're just organising um, a coffee morning in Walterstown on the 10th of December um, and we have a donation page set up and we've already, people have been so generous given um, what they can for the trust. Um, and then we've had people say, oh, I'll, b- I'll bake this and I'll bake that and people donating spot prizes and all the rest. So mm. it's just, it's incredible how much we've raised so far. It's fantastic and there's more to come. What is that page if people would like to donate? Um, it's on. So if you go on to idonate.ie yep. and if you search Sue Deegan, it's the first result um, and it has a picture of the bone marrow leukemia trust. Okay. idonate.ie and Sue Deegan, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find it there. You're yeah, remarkable, yeah, I have to say. And Grace, Emma, Sarah and yourself, Lauren, are remarkable young women making their way at different stages of their young lives. You're the oldest of them, 24, and Grace, 17 now, and uh, other ages in between. Um, I say it again. <sighs> what you've done is just wonderful. And your day, young woman, will come when you qualify with your teaching and when the others move along a little more and you will go where you want in the world and do what you want. And it's been my pleasure to listen to you and your story today. I feel humble. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, we're just trying to raise as much money as possible for this trust. They're just absolutely incredible with the work they do. They certainly are. And you keep on doing what you're doing as well. And good luck with the studies. And good luck to all you, Lauren, Sarah, Emma and Grace. Well done. Thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch today. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving Day to all at LMFM, says a listener. I'm very grateful for your station. Isn't that lovely, Louise? That really is a, that is a lovely. lovely. And it is. And happy Thanksgiving to all uh, citizens of the USA today. It's the big holiday over there. And are you feeling the love? Well, Just carrying on from that lovely message. I have a lovely message here that has popped in and I know that you won't read it out, so I will. <laughs> it says, Hi, Jerry. I'd just like to say how much I enjoy your show. You are one of the best interviewers and presenters that I've ever heard. I've been through a really tough time losing my little dog of 16 years of age. But after listening to you with your compassion and kindness to everyone, you make my day and put a big smile on my face. Keep up the good work. From Nula. Oh, my God almighty. Talk Thanks, Nula. Ab- talk about taking your breath away and leaving you speechless. Nula, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I have to say, my conversation with Lauren Deegan, Louise, she's a remarkable oh, young she's woman. She's an amazing when woman. you've got to step mm. in there and she stepped mm. up to the mark and, and, you know. And I know um, Trisha from my school days, so I, mm. I know exactly that she would be there for every step of the way. Yes, which is um, and I Yeah, and I... I'd say her mother was just as remarkable mm. as Lauren. Yeah, and, and, and though they never spoke the words, Lauren just did what I know her mother 
would want her to do. You know what I mean? And there's somebody looking for the donation page. It's I donate. That's the letter I. I D O N A T E dot I E. And if you put in uh, Sue Deegan. You, you'll get to the donation page there uh, for the Leukemia People, the Leukemia Trust, Bone Marrow for Leukemia Trust. Very worthy cause indeed. You're all I'll ever need Thanks to the keeper of the stars You're all I'll ever need Thanks to the keeper of the stars Permanent. That's all I'll say, Mr. Red Hurley and his brand new one, Keeper of the Stars. And he's on the line. Hi, Red. Hiya, Jerry. How's it going? Um, listen, will you let us in on the secret? How do you keep the voice in that shape after all these years celebrating 50 years in the business this year? I, I knew you were going to get around to the 50 years. <laughs> yeah, 50 years. Can you believe it, Jerry? How long uh, ago is it since we had a chat before? Oh, it's f- even even when you talk about years, I don't know, many years ago. Do you remember you'd be up here with me several times on the show? Oh. And where have the years gone? Do, do you remember starting out? Yeah, I do indeed, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I remember Willie Ward was my old pal and he decided he was going to make a recording for Red Hurley. And uh, we went into the studio and we did A, a Poor Man's Roses. Mm. and uh, it, it, it climbed up to about number 14 in the charts and suddenly there <laughs> suddenly I was in the limelight <laughs> Oh indeed you were and you've never been out of it since I, You know one thing I wanted to ask and I don't think I ever asked you this before even when I met you You know all the great songs you've sung your own songs the ones you've covered etc If you had one song for the rest of your life that you were left singing I know we wouldn't want that anyway mm. Can you select would you pick a song and say to me I love that more than most I yeah, love us all. Was, was, ah, red, red. Yeah. You're saying the right things. Me late mammy song. She uh, loved it and loved you singing it. Love us all. What a song. What a the song. The guy who wrote that was Les Reed and his partner Barry Mason. Right. They were the nicest guys in the world. Both of them had Rolls Royces. Both of them lived in London. Both of them had fantastic careers. And uh, I got lucky and I hit it off with uh, Les Reed. Mm. And Les uh, said, I have a great song for you. He says, now, see, a fella has done a, a kind of a version of it. He says, see, but I think it would be great for you. And it's called Love Is All. Mm. Well, I'm not joking. It, it transformed my life. Ah, it certainly transformed many other people's lives too, Red, let me tell you. Because <laughs> I, I know so many people who just absolutely adore that song. Coming right up today to the one we've just heard, Keeper of the Stars. It's absolutely beautiful. What's the story with it? The story with that, it's kind of a little spiritual effect. You know, I tip my hat to the Keeper of the Stars, to, to, to God, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, it's forgiven me you, and for he knew what he was doing when he joined these two hearts. And uh, I hold everything when I hold you in my arms. It's a super lyric, you know, yeah. it's a smashing yeah. lyric. Mm. And uh, a fellow I know from, from Houston, Texas, that I call Stan Corbett, rang me one night and he said, I'm out there coming across this thing. You know, it's a bit rough and ready the way it is, but, you know, if you got it with your arranger and your... So myself and Andy O'Callaghan worked on it. And uh, that, that's it. That's how we got it. It was a great song. Mm. And you're 
on the road, of course, you're touring. And I just want to mention, uh, very important when you're with me today, you're appearing in Ashburn on Friday week, the 2nd of December. And it's at the Immaculate Conception Church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church there in Ashburn. Wonderful venue, great acoustics. Red is there Friday week, the 2nd of December. And we have a number. Mary is the woman you need to contact. And the number is off. I'm leaving it here on LMFM. I'll give it out in a second. But if you want it, you can give us a shout here uh, on the station number 0419832000. But Mary's number is 018353149. That's 018353149. You're looking forward to saying hello to them in Ashburn. I, I was in Ashburn in, in, at Mass there a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, now, I know we're working here soon. And it's a lovely church. It mm. really has a, it's a one of the, the nice old-fashioned ones, you know. With the, yes. The mood of it is, is just lovely. It is. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and they're looking forward to welcoming you too. You're, you, as I mentioned, you're, you're performing, you're touring. What's it like when you get together with the Linda Martins of this world and others? There's so many names from that halcyon era that you were part of, and you go on stage again. What what is it, Red, that people flock to see you and love you all still? What is it? What's the the secret potion? <laughs> well, we we like working with each other. We share memories and we share. Mm. Ideas and you know we we do the showbank show every yes. January February March. Ronan Collins, Ronan Collins, and he's the kind of host, and Joe Dolan, and then mm. Linda Martin does it, and uh, Keith and Lorraine and uh, the Swarbricks. Well, they've kind of have given up on it now, but but they were they were terrific assets. Yes, so, yes, and uh, Tommy was a great songwriter in his day. You know, mm. as a matter of fact, I just recorded a song that he did. Uh, called the music of my life. Yes, I remember and, it. Yeah, yeah, a lovely song. And uh, but no, we we get together and we we have a great bit of crack, and we uh, allow the, the 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 road to take us where we want to, where we go. Mm, it's a good it. it's a good way to be and that road takes you I know uh, near golf courses and um, you're <laughs> a bit you, they're a bit of a magnet for Red Hurley what handicap are you playing off now? Oh, look look, I used to be 12, 13 yeah but now I'm gone I'm getting old I'm getting old sure, aren't, aren't we all Red? there's no <laughs> one going in the other direction <laughs> Well, I, I can't play golf like I used to years ago. I know. I'm, never, I'm not saying I was ever any very good, but I'm not very good now, that's for definite. Well, I'll tell you, there were very few in the business that play you for a five or a ten or any more in your day. I know that for a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> now, now they laugh at me now. They say, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you 20 shots now, right? Uh, but listen, sure, aren't you entitled to it? You still love to get out, though, and knock a ball oh, around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have a great bunch of guys, you know, we mm. all play in the Hermitage on some Mondays. And, you know, we play around and a couple of the guys are involved with different clubs. And we do a charity thing maybe once a year in the likes of Parish Court. And, you know, and uh, I was a member of Baltray in County Loud there for a yes. long, long time. Yes. And uh, I was away in America more than I was here. So it was it was pointless having the membership. But it's still a great golf course. There's no doubt about it. It is. I'm a member there myself. I don't use it oh, enough. Right. Yeah, I don't use it right, red enough to be honest with you. But it, it's I know, a. I, I know we, we we spoke about it, you and I the last time. 
Yes. No, it's a waste of time. You know, you're living in Florida half the year. Yeah. And you, you don't even get a chance to play golf. golf yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. And, and, and you know, there's, there's, there's logistics and everything coming into it and, and, and practicalities. You must yeah. be delighted with the, with the way the new song has been received because it's uh, caught the ear of many, many people. Well, it has. It seems, uh, it seems Mary McCallan played it there a couple of weeks ago. And they got a great response, mm. an overwhelming response. Yes. And uh, a lot of the places that we were working and suddenly were sold out, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was great. It is great. So I'm, I'm delighted about that. I'm de- it's always nice when something you try and you're not sure of and it works, you know? Yeah, well, listen, sure. When Red Hurley puts his imprimatur on a song, it's sure to work. We love it here and it'll be on our playlist now, I can tell you. And we'll be playing it here on LMFM Radio for you. Good luck to you with everything you do. Immaculate Conception Church, Ashburn, Friday the 2nd of December. We have the details. Red Hurley in person and his voice is better than ever. God bless you, Red. Thank you, Jerry. God bless you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The wonderful Red Hurley. 50 years in the business and more. Louise, I'm out today. I'm Well, I'm in. I don't know whether I should say I'm in or I'm out today in the World Cup. My two teams are playing in the World Cup uh, shortly. Portugal and uh, Brazil, I've selected myself. So Portugal are out first and Brazil this evening. Who are they playing? Um, I haven't a clue. <laughs> You're as bad as I am. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a clue. Thanks to technology at my fingertips, Portugal are playing Ghana at four o'clock and then this evening at seven. I'll settle down and watch this when Brazil are up against Serbia. We'll see what the Brazilians are like. And your crowd are out tomorrow. I think your 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 crew are back out. Let me have a look. I always pick people ne- out on a Friday. Netherlands are playing tomorrow at four against Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And who else did you pick? Argentina. Oh, they're not out tomorrow. Hold on. Maybe it's Saturday there. Out. Argent- Don't cry for me, our Martina, are playing on <laughs> Saturday at 7 o'clock against Mexico. That's a oh, tough game. Oh, that would be a good That's game. It's a tough game. They have to win it. They have to win it to keep moving on in the tournament. So we watch it, Space. Louise is following uh, Argentina and the Dutch, and I have Portugal so and you'll have Brazil. two reports for us tomorrow. I will. I think um, the more I'm looking at this tournament... It's not a surprises. Yeah, but football could be coming home. Do you think so? It could well be. <laughs> I have a hunch. England, England, we should have, I should have picked them maybe as my selection. I know it's early days, but they have the players. If the manager just lets them off the rain and picks the team that needs to be picked, they could win in England. They certainly could. But let's see as the tournament progresses. That's a big prediction to make at this stage very, very early Some on. Some Christmas in England, if, if so. Oh. <laughs> We'll go on to February. Listen, it'll be worse than when the Queen died. <laughs> going on, for, it'll go on forever. They're talking about well, for the next four years. What they're talking about? Nineteen sixty-six still, and we're in twenty twenty-two. Oh my word! But you look if they win it, they win it, and good luck to them. And don't a lot of our players play over there, and we follow the Premier League as well. If we're being a bit sensible about it. Anyway, ten past three in the year of a lot, twenty twenty-two, the twenty-fourth of November. Time for this and late lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Sugar Babes it is all this week and they began in 2010 back to 2010 they began recording their 8th studio album in April of that year however that album never saw the light of day for a number of reasons but particularly the popularity began to wane and the three ladies who were Sugar Babes at that stage Heidi Range Jade Ewan and Amel Baraba uh, all went their separate ways in 2011. But 
the most unusual thing then happened. I don't think this has ever happened before. Um, in 2012, the original lineup of Buchanan, Buena and Donaghy reformed the Sugar Babes themselves. They came back together after all the falling out and all the, the nonsense that went on between them. But it took seven years beyond that of litigation before they actually won back the right to the group's name, the Sugar Babes. But they have it now forever. My song today is from their 2007 album called Change. Big success for them. Uh, becoming their sixth UK number one where it remained top of the three for four weeks. Can we bring Oh yes, I know how I feel about them. They're great, aren't they? That's one of their top songs. A big number one for the Sugar Babes. I'll just have to push the button on the Sugar Babes tomorrow round about this time on your late lunch. Many people I'm sure listening today have been to Carlingford Adventure Centre. It's a fantastic place and their marketing manager, Adrian McGreevy, joins me on the line. Hello, Adrian. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thank you for joining me. Well, You've spread your wings, so to speak, down Wicklow Way. Tell us the story. Well, we, we've been going to a few trade shows uh, around Europe and we are promoting the, the region uh, rather than just ourselves because people coming from abroad want to visit a region. They just don't want to come and visit a, an adventure centre or a singular mm. business. So when we were over there, we met an interesting company, EAK, and they built treetop walks. Um, so with ourselves, we're trying to diversify. Um, due to, to COVID, people really wanted to get out with the family and do more relaxed adventures. Not everybody wants to do sort of a adrenaline pumping, zip lining and stand up paddle boarding and so on. So we were looking to diversify. The other reason was the, the whole insurance thing in Ireland and the fact that uh, insurance prices are going up year on year, particularly for adventure adventure sports. So uh, we met EAK, they built treetop walks, they're lovely le- leisurely walkways through forests, so they're about a kilometre and a half long, and they finish with a viewing tower. Um, so we were blown away by the quality of them. They're also built with sustainable materials, they're largely built from wood. So um, yeah, we, we had hoped to get them over, and uh, we did, got them over to Carningford. They were blown away, they thought, they thought the scenery was amazing. We had hoped to build one on, on Sleeve Foy. Mm. Unfortunately, the train wasn't suitable. Um, so it wasn't something we were able to do, but we developed a really good partnership with them. They, they wanted to build in Ireland because they, they loved Ireland themselves. They loved the Irish people, the fact that they were so hospitable. So uh, another opportunity came up in Avondale in Wicklow, which personally I'd never heard of. Mm. Um, but it's the birthplace of Charles Stuart Purnell um, and also a guy called Stuart Hayes, who was the, the, the forefather for Irish forestry um, yes. and he built an arbitorium in, in Avondale. So there's trees from all over the world um, and some of them are, are 250, 300 years old. So um, I think of whenever a lot of people think of Irish forestry, they think a lot of the time it's it's a particular type of wood. It, it's built it fast and, and cut it down and, and you know grow again and so on. But mm. uh, Avondale was something so totally different. And there's eucalyptus trees, there's redwoods, there's everything. Every time I'm down there, I learn something new about forestry. So uh, we have an amazing walkway through the through the trees, and we have a 40 meter uh, lookout tower at the end. 
But the amazing thing about it is that they're um, fully accessible. So for, for prams, for yes. wheelchairs, for old people, for young people, you're able to get up to that view and see a, see a beautiful view over the Wicklow countryside. So mm. uh, it's amazing. And this is treetop. You're way up off the ground. It's, it's right through the treetops. Yeah, so it starts at ground level and yeah. it gradually meanders its way up to, the walkway goes up to 23 metres. Mm. Then it comes back down to ground level and actually, you actually go underground into a tunnel right. and learn a little bit about the, the subsoil and the sort of species that live down underground. And then you go up the viewing tower, it's like a spiral uh, viewing tower and you go up to 40 metres. Yeah. So it's a pretty amazing view from up there. And there's a couple of ways to get back down. You can either walk back down or we have the longest slide in Ireland. I like so that. You can have a bit of fun. You can I... have a bit of fun on the slide on the way down. And that proved very popular over the summer. A lot of people were coming in and running straight to the slide. And we were saying, no, it's not all about the slide. It's about the scenery and the view. And there's education stations as you walk along. Yeah. You have to learn a little bit about the local, the local history and the local flora and fauna and so on. And then there's little adventure stations for the kids, you know, showing the height off the ground and so on so they yeah. can have a bit of fun so there really is something for everybody it's terrific underground overground top of the trees big slide at the end is everything is it open all year it is yeah now we at the minute we close tuesday and wednesdays but we're still we're, we're fully open the rest of the week and um, we'll probably close for a week or two in january for maintenance but yeah, yeah open open the whole rest of the year so and, and there's something for everybody like we've had granddads we've had people in wheelchairs we've had really yes. young kids having fun as well so it's lovely seeing everybody getting involved and, and enjoying it yeah access for all sustainable age friendly and you've won awards across the board in those categories and here's the thing folks listen to this National Geographic magazine the go-to and when it selects its destinations top 35 for next year 2023 you're in it. Yeah, we were blown away by that. We had a, a journalist from National Geographic with us over the summer, and he just loved it. And we know he's been shouting about it ever since. And we were honoured to be in there. So they have mentioned Beyond the Trees Avondale. They've mentioned Wicklow, the, the entire county, because it's such a beautiful place to visit. But we were one of the few actual businesses and attractions that were mentioned in there as part of the article so um, it's a great testament to it and, and how unique it is as well because there's nothing else like this in Ireland and the UK No it's terrific, check out Carlingford Adventure Centre, Beyond the Trees, Avondale, how do people book or can they just rock up? Uh, if you just if you just Google Beyond the Trees, Avondale, you can book there in advance. At this time of the year, you're fine to rock up, but coming into peak season and peak yes. times, we would definitely recommend that people book, book in advance. You're great people, and what you provide is wonderful, and uh, it's a great outlet in the outdoors for so many people, and what you have in Carlingford is terrific. And, and now, as I said, you're spreading your wings, and I know this has really caught people's uh, imagination. Well done to everybody, all the crew, in bringing this something absolutely unique and uh, first time to Ireland. Thank you for joining me, Adrian. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jerry. Not at all. Bye-bye. That's Adrian McGreevy there from Carlingford Adventure Centre. He's their marketing manager. Check that out. Beyond the Trees, Avondale. It is something else. It really is. I'd love to try that slide at the end. I don't mind the slides. It's the roller coasters. <clears throat> no, I'm getting crazy even thinking about that. Anyway, coming up on Late Lunch Friday afternoon. What a lovely selection we have for you tomorrow. You can win in our competition, of course. Second day of the Troytown Day at Navin Racecourse coming up on Sunday. That prize is on Late Lunch tomorrow. We have your TV theme as usual. Comedy, sport, 
wine and books. What a lovely Friday combination heading into the weekend. And a surprise. Yes, a surprise. We have a surprise. We do it. We want you to tell us about your surprise. Because tomorrow on the show, you know when you write to Santi and you're a little person, even if you're a big person, you, you always say, I want this, this and this. And I'd love a surprise. What's the best surprise you ever got from Santa Claus? We want to know on tomorrow's late lunch. What is the best surprise Santa Claus ever brought to you? Let us know tomorrow on the show on 086-1800-658. And if you keep an eye on our social media tonight, you'll be able to leave your little best surprises there for us. No surprises. You know what you'll get on late lunch tomorrow. Just great, great radio here on LMFM. Eddie Caffrey's on his way next with The Drive. We'll see you for the final show of the week tomorrow, 1.30. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.